Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 264 of Cyclocross Radio. On this episode, we're catching up. It's been a while since the media pit has been together, so uh, Zach and Michael and myself are talking about, uh, what, what do we talk about? We talk a little bit about road, we talk about the upcoming cyclocross season, and then just, you know, whatever suits our fancy. Zach even tells us about his dreams. So, if for nothing else, stay tuned for that. This episode is brought to you by our friends from Hammerhead and the Karoo 2. I know you've heard us talk about this cycling computer in the past, but the weather is starting to get nice, especially where I am in the mid-Atlantic on the east coast of the U.S. Been out there riding, and look, I'm beyond the point where I'm really training for something, but just having an everyday driver of a computer like the Karoo 2 where I got great maps, I'm able to put in a route, discover new areas, and then also get all that data that I used to care a ton about in a nice, logical, easily readable format. Can't go wrong. Been loving this computer. So as I was saying, it seamlessly imports routes from Strava, Komoot, and more. Route, reroute, create pin drop routing on the fly, all available with turn-by-turn directions and upcoming elevation changes. It's a beautiful, responsive touchscreen display, high-res, full-color. Hammerhead Cruise 2 was also named Bicycling Magazine's Editor's Choice in GPS Cycling Computers for the past two years and continues to collect accolades throughout the sport. If you want even more like technical stuff about what this thing can do, go check out the Grodio episodes because Amanda Nauman and Dave Sheik, they know this machine inside and out. And if not, if I'm not convincing you now, they will to purchase it. So for a limited time, our listeners can get a free custom color kit and an exclusive premium water bottle with the purchase of a Hammerhead Crew 2. If you visit hammerhead.io right now and use the promo code CXRADIO, it's all caps, C-X-R-A-D-I-O, CXRADIO, at hammerhead.io. It's a free custom color kit and premium water bottle with purchase of a Karoo 2. Go to hammerhead.io, add all three items to your cart, and use the promo code CXRADIO. Go do it now. Okay, finally, at the end of this episode, uh, Michael and I have a nice conversation about his video series, Hot Lap Summer. Episode two of that is going to be coming out on Monday. If you are getting this one, it's released on Friday, so a couple days from now. Go check it out. Go to the Wide Angle Podium YouTube channel and check out episode one of this series, series that's following the automatic team and its leader, Tom Gibbons, in the USA Crits series. Really, really, really good stuff. I want you all to watch it, share it, enjoy it, and be ready for episode two when it releases on Monday. All right, finally, if you have a moment, get over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a nice, friendly, positive review. If you got something, you know, negative to say, hit me up at feedback at cxairs.com. We can have that conversation. Happy to talk to all of you. All right, we're talking a little road. We're talking a lot of cyclocross. We got Michael and Zach. It's the Media Pit, episode 264 of Cyclocross Radio, and we're doing all of that right now. We are back after a 
break. Back after a break. We are back in the media pit to talk about well, I don't know what we're talking about. I guess we'll find out when, once we get there. But before we talk about stuff, Michael, how's it going? I just have to start off with a slow clap for the little guy because his amazing puns that he unleashed on Tim and the other guy in the show um we're amazing we're just unbelievable and i just i just wanted to give a shout out to tim a man sorry i shout out the little guy a man after my own heart would this be the slow ride podcast <laughs> did i not say that no sorry the slow ride podcast <laughs> had some amazing puns okay little guy thank you i love them spencer sorry i forgot about you um but i just want to say also you know today was a bike race, a midweek classic. And I got to say, it was good to see Matthew Vanderpool breaking on through to the other side at doors. I like it. I like it. Got to say. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good one. I like that. Well done. You're Michael, you know, it's the off season, but I, you're, you're still in. I'm just trying to get a little. Li- so I, I really like it. I, I would, I would, I, you're on fire. <laughs> Um, flames couldn't get yeah yeah Um. (laughs) come on come on baby Um, yeah anyway sorry wasn't that wasn't that Johnny Cash wasn't he like the ring of fire guy so I was uh, I did some traveling you know after cyclocross season after saving up all of my vacation time to, to cover cross I did I took a real vacation it was weird it was so weird like I didn't know what to do with myself um, but I was in uh, I went to Folsom and there's a there's a Johnny Cash bike path like, did you guys know this that there's a Johnny Cash did he go by the prison uh, oh totally went right by the prison okay um, yeah Johnny Cash yeah. like big deal out in Folsom he's got a got a bike path really cool bridge and everything so yeah it was kind of neat to to see that. Uh, out there for i wonder if there's a corresponding track in reno <laughs> Ooh, i don't want to know what happens on the one the one in reno I, bad bad things happen there. that's how we ended up in 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 Folsom. so what what are we what are we going to talk about should we i mean you already brought up dwarves i thought you know michael i was like oh he's doing a good job dancing around having to pronounce the name of the race but i then did it's i just totally all, I, I called like, it dwarves into the punt so like Dwar- even, dwarves even, vor vlanderen exactly um, which, <laughs> you know, we had the cyclocross guys, they were out there racing. All we, all we needed was Wout in there. Yeah. I mean, you know, this Wout is, Wout is too big, right? He, he doesn't, he's not going to do a midweek semi-classic. I mean, the big show Flanders is on Sunday. Um, but you know, what's interesting is that we had, we had Vanderpool and Pidcock who are in the mix. Also, uh, ben Turner, uh, who we saw at Worlds recently, just having a good season. But I liked it. It was like it was like Pitcock and Vanderpool kind of like this is like a tune-up race for them. They had to kind of get check the form, check the fitness. Um, but we know Wow and, and is already on another level right now. So I uh, I have a question for you guys. I was before we started the podcast, I was typing up a topper chart. You know, something we talk about in cyclocross, and I thought I'd bring it a little to the road really kind of focused on the classics because and for me it's it's spring classics and then the tour and then we go into cross and the other stage races sure whatever whatever but 
that's kind of how I look at the road season. So um, right now, you know, the elite riders, Wout, uh, today, Pogachar. Yeah, Taddy, uh, Taddy, not uh, not not really loving. Well, I don't know. Either not loving the cobbles today, or playing a little possum, waiting for the weekend. Yeah, that's see, that's pretty exciting. I like you know. There's a lot to be say about today. Today, today had a great race. Tim, Tim, if you if you can never remember how to say his name, it's today. Tade. Anyway, um, <laughs> would you say uh, he? Would you say he's a hot toddy? I would not say toddy. No. Um. Anyway, so we got we got we got um today on the elite form elite list. You know, in sub topper, I'm gonna put you know Gourmet, You know the Atrian uh, Eritrean uh, rider who won Ghent. Um. You know, we've got pretty basically all Jumbo Visma right now is in the sub topper list. Um. But I wanted to ask you guys, Vanderpool. You know, kind of you know didn't finish the cross season you know he was, he was out we didn't know when he was coming back his first race back um he was a late substitution i think johnny vermeers right like couldn't do milan san remo um and so vanderpool started that gets a podium um he goes to Co- uh, italian race bartali copia copa de bartali win, wins the stage there comes comes to duars and wins so in the road racing classics topper chart, do you guys think Vanderpool is elite yet, or is he subtopper? Oh, I I I don't know if he ever really left elite level. I mean, the guy, you know, it's it's he he's podiuming at Milan San Remo when he's hurt. He's like even even just let's just go to elite training, Zach. Zach, you've been putting in a lot of miles. Well, I mean, you're a little under the weather now, but before that, you know, you were p- piling up the miles either or the Ziles. I, I is, they were is Ziles, that but like yes, training yes, yes. for you or are you on the Matthew Vanderpool, I'm going to go out for 200 kilometers. That's just, you know, that's just JRA. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm flattered that you would consider me uh, in that regard. I mean, that was certainly <laughs> that was certainly training for me. I mean, uh, in theory, I don't know if it's going to happen now because of this illness. Was supposed to do unbound, so it was just kind of like racking up the. But I, I mean, I would guess with Vanderpool, even if he was out doing those big rides, I'm sure that he was doing what he needed to do once he felt healthy to hone, you know, his upper end. And he's not gonna he's not kind of guy who's not going to advertise it. He's probably going to be like, yeah, I was just out for a ride, you know. But he's secretly starting to to rev up and you know, work on those things that you need to do to be uh, in good form. And I think the reality is like for guys like him, like it happens pretty quick. You know, you do a couple, couple sets of intervals. That's just a, but it was like, what did he take? He had to take some time off or his ruptured disc. So what that heal like in seven days or 10. Right. It seemed, it seems kind of quick, right? It seemed like it was like a really quick turnaround. Although, you know, he missed all the cross season basically. So yeah, I don't know. he, yeah, he did. He did. It seems like those guys at level, Bill, and you're right. I, I think he's elite. He he never left the elite podium. When you come back to your first race back, is the longest uh, monument of the year, and you get third. He could have been forgiven to be in the the second or third, you, you know, um, group and just sort of chilling out. Yeah. And today, he was not, even though. 
it was really Tom Pitcock's responsibility or Ben Turner's since they had two guys in the lead group to be chasing down every move. There was a certain time, you know, Vanderpool was like, okay, I'm playing by this road racing rules that you guys seem to have. And they like did that for about a 30 seconds. And then finally he was like, well, screw it. I'll go bring back these, you know, these, these <laughs> breaks and then just pulled everybody back up a couple times until he forced, you know, Turner and Pitcock to do it. And then at the end, I mean, he, he definitely looked like he was hurting, but he also, um, he still has that top end where who's the Yumbo Visma guy that got second? Tease. Tease Benute. Tease Benute. He he was at fifty meters and he was like, nice job, good race, you know. Thanks. Yeah. Glad glad we got this opportunity to sprint for a couple <laughs> seconds. Yeah, I felt I felt bad for Tease. I mean he Tease rated Rose Tease raced like the like that's the best he could have finished in that situation. Like he raced really smart. Um I just want to say uh, today's race that last like 10k is yeah like, even with what? us spoiling it if you haven't seen it it's worth yeah, oh. watching yeah you gotta watch it yeah because it's that perfect dynamic and you know we kind of saw it a few times in cross i actually liked this when we happened in cross but you have it was like what seven or eight guys and it was just attack it was like body blow body blow body blow someone trying to get that final like punch that gets that gap. And what was interesting was you had Vanderpool, which is, you know, he, he's, he's, we call him a sprinter, but then you had guys like Campanarts, who is a former time trialist who's now becoming a breakaway artist. And so, like, looking for moments to attack. And so Campanarts basically almost gets dropped in the last climb, but knows there's a downhill and premeditated has a 58 tooth chain ring. Uh, on his bike so he's attacking on the downhill which in the post-race interview shocked um pitters and both vanderpool they're like oh no wonder i couldn't catch him i only had a 53 but just the idea that this you had this dynamic of all these different types of riders sort of attacking at the moments that gave them advantage and it was just amazing to see. And Tease is a guy who's not a sprinter, and he kind of had a, he did a a late counterattack. It was a it was a brilliant time to go. Everybody had gone. They're on their knees, and then yeah, who was it, Bill, that followed him up? It was it was Vanderpool, um, who was looking a little tired earlier. And I thought, oh, it's early. He's still coming back, but oh my god. Well, and you saw it too, and maybe because you know you, the the last two climbs of that race, I think the 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 harder of them tops out at maybe 8%. And it's a, you know, they're just like minute. At yeah. Minute sure. at most climbs, you know, minute or under climbs. And then the second one's only four or 5%. You see that classic Vanderpool move. I mean, he goes and he attacks on that first climb and you're like, oh, well, this is it. And he gets a gap, but everybody's about to close it. And then you're like, oh, well, is this, is this the Vanderpool that we know because they're able to like close it down? And even in the sprint, even though he was pulling away and I don't even think, uh, still had another gear to go into for that last 50 meters. He was toast. Like he was yeah. wasted at the end of that. Couldn't stand up, was coughing worse than Zach. Uh, <laughs> just like having a rough go of it, but at the same time, showing that form, and it'll be really yeah. interesting. Is it Saturday or Sunday? When is uh, Flanders? Sunday. Sunday. Flanders is Sunday. We got Wout. We got Vanderpool. We got Pitcock uh, saying it was good to be at the front of these races again, like he was yeah, last Pitcock. year. So here's so there's a guy. Okay, that's a question for you. I don't know if you answered this already. You may have in your in your rundown, but just to go back to it, 
is Pidcock, Pidcock's a guy who's like sprinting wout for wins. Is he a topper or a subtopper? I mean, he was a guy also who, unlike, unlike Vanderpool, was in the back, in the back of the pack. I mean, he couldn't make it to the front. Uh, he was in Milan San Remo, right? And he didn't, yeah, he wasn't he able rum- to rumbly tumbly. Yeah. Um, what was, I forgot. Yeah. I'm putting Pitters in the subtopper zone. Um, I think that Pitters is a guy that if it all goes right, he can win, but I, I don't, you know, I'm not putting the, you know, it's, it's wow. It's Vanderpool. Um, gosh, I think it's wow. And Vanderpool right now. I mean, I don't know. I just, this, the jumbo team, uh, is pretty strong right now. They, I mean, we haven't even heard a peep out of a quick step, uh, in a while. Um, I'm 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 relegating Julian. Do we get Do we get Alaphilippe back up there too, or is he done? Well, he, he he won't be at, at Flanders. Um, was he? In, in, I I didn't follow it that closely. Was he injured when he did his somersaults off the bike? I don't I don't know if at Strada. Yeah, he well he kind of came back, and then he I think he got dropped. Right? I don't actually know because we haven't really heard much of him we'll see him later you know when we get to the the uh the uh ardennes classics um but yeah no i mean i think it's it's been a it's been a good spring for the wout fans because i think if you're a wout fan you become a jumbo fan and it's kind of really been cool to see both teesmanute and christopher laporte sort of find you know not, not like a, I mean, like kind of a second wind, you know, really just like they're, they're, they're in a program and it's really working for them. Um, I hope it's not because of the ketones, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's been, it's been a good, it's been a good spring classic so far. Tim Merlier, still a, still a cyclocross guy? <laughs> no, he's a roadie. Merlier did he did eight he did eight cyclocross races this year. He's still a cyclocross racer. Is he a subtopper? Is Tim Merlier a cyclocross subtopper? Oh, um, cyclocross? Yeah, he's a meddler. He's a meddler. But is he is he a subtopper on the road? I mean, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. He's, he's a he's I mean, a legit he's a legit subtopper on the road. He's a guy that right. can win a race. Depends on the race. Yeah, if it's a sprinting race, yeah, we might. I mean, I I feel like I feel like it's hard to be in the elite air. Um, and I think Merlier is on that second level of sprinters, really good. Um, but you know, I don't I don't count him like a Cavendish. Well, I, I feel like we need to we need to come up with like sorry, I'm gonna go home. <clears throat> Matthew, but yeah. I feel like we need some sort of like like three dimensional matrix or whatever, like and come up with this, right? Because like you can be a cyclocross, like let's say you're a cyclocross, uh, let's say like you're you're, you're uh, Celine Alvarado, right? Like you're a cyclocross, potentially a topper when healthy, kind of a irre- midler and not even relevant really in mountain biking, you know. But then you have like Merlier who midler in cyclocross and you know kind of a sub topper on the road and then you have like wow machu who are just like toppers wherever they go uh you know so like these different dimensions like what are you in one discipline versus another or whatever i don't i haven't really i just came up with this well idea, it's like but, you it's know like, some sort of it's like the triangle right like you can have you can pick two or three i, I don't know i feel like there are the the vittoria tires have this like triangle about their tread and you can be like you can be really fast and then like but you know, lightweight, not puncture proof. And like you spread 
the, that's yeah. So that's totally what I'm envisioning. I mean, not, there's not too many people who do like three disciplines or whatever. I think two is pretty common, but it'd be interesting to like see the the correspondence between like you know like Yolanda Neff, Yolanda Neff, like topper in mountain biking, and if she does cross, like you know at this point is like a sub topper or midler because she doesn't really race very often, but you know, so, and, and at the same time, it just shows like how good like Pitcock, Wout and Machu and some of these other writers are that they're really good at like whatever they do. Uh, here's a question for you guys. Do you, okay. On the same team, do you guys consider Johnny Vermeersh? Where do you put him in terms of like where his strength is weighted towards cyclocross or road? I think he's more valuable as a roadie. Yeah. Because he's a guy that just does work and seems pretty good about it. And he I didn't. I that. And I think his. I mean, looking at his results, I think he has more standout results from cyclocross. Like you said, Bill, like he's a, he's a workhorse. I, you know, I like the idea of Vanderpool, like, like just accumulating some of these other, you know, the cyclocross guys and be like, you're my lieutenants taking you from cross. And you're going to oh, well, do I mean, he's, me. I, I kind of like that. He's, he's gone farther than that. He's got Sam Gaze on his team. And, and there's one. <laughs> like, Sam, Sam Gaze is like, I, I don't know. What's he going to do? Like, he was recruited originally as a road guy. And now he's kind of like, I, I, well, he did cyclocross, which was crazy. Just insane. And, and I guess he's probably going to be going and doing more mountain biking. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, just, you know, you know who's also on the Flanders start list for Ineos? Is a Magnus Sheffield having a good um, road season so far too? So should we? Can we use that Zach as a segue into I one like of it. our topics that we wanted to talk about, which is the which is? end of the uh, Cannondale Cyclocross World Squad? Yeah, I like that. I mean, we're seeing them. Uh, I, yeah, I kind of a not. I, was it a well kept secret? I mean, we knew. Like the, there knew was, I, I de- so I had heard that Cannondale was not going to support that team after this past season. So that was kind of a not great kept secret. Did, did that mean that the team was going to fold or not? I, you know, was still to be seen, but it certainly seemed like that was the way the wind was blowing. So it wasn't a huge shock for me, but still a shock for cyclocross in general and huge disappointment. I mean, they should have, they should have just called it, you know, like Cannondale gravel world. And they probably would have been like, oh, we'll just, we'll fund that. And then Stu will be like, oh, by the way, we're just, we're racing cross. We'll, well do and, a little bit of, of road over here. And that's here. kind of part of but, it, I mean, right? They don't, the, they don't have a, and that's the thing that I, I think that they were sort of basing this on is like, we no longer, this is, you sponsor a team as a marketing tool. We no longer have a bike for this discipline, but who does? Like Trek as a boon, right? I mean, that's a that is a cyclocross bike. It's uh it's it's tough to be a gravel bike. It doesn't really fit that wide of tires. It is a- is, is the Boone the only cyclocross cyclocross bike left in like the American market because 
like the Santa Cruz is a gravel bike. The Specialized Crux is a gravel bike. I mean, I'm going to be reviewing the Blue Norcross, which is now basically a gra- like a crossover gravel bike. Like they've all just gone like full gravel. Has the Ridgey, or, like that one gone gravel? The uh, there's still the Swiss yeah. Cross? They have one the, the Swiss Cross. Is it gone more gravelly? I'm probably, they probably slackerhead tube. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's, it's the way that's going. I mean, we've covered it pretty well here that, you know, all the energy is going towards, towards gravel and, you know, it's becoming tougher and tougher to do cyclocross. And I think we're just going to see if you want to do it, you're going to have to do kind of the privateer model. And we've seen, and we saw a bunch of riders this year, I think, be able to, to kind of do that. The, the blueprint is there. There's, you know, some people who will sponsor it. There's bike bike companies that'll they'll give you bikes or whatever. But yeah, it's with Cannondale going away, it seems like kind of the end of the I mean it is the end of an era, but it's the last holdout from the era where we had bigger bigger cyclocross teams. I, cyclocross in the US is more and more becoming a, a passion project. Not to say that it always wasn't at some level, but I think this is just more than we've seen in over a decade. Now it is something that if you want to race cyclocross in the U S it's because you want to race cyclocross in the U S and I think that our U 23 crew who think that they are going to be, want to be successful as a cyclocross racer on a professional level now more than ever going to have to find a way to race overseas for more than one or two trips. Cause I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope it changes. I don't know where it's going to change. I, I mean, how would it? I mean, I don't see, there's nothing to suggest that we're not just going to see, I mean, we're seeing more and more money go into, to gravel. Uh, you know, that's, that's the direction the off-road market is going. That's what people want to ride. They want those comfortable bikes. Gravel races are still doing well. We have the lifetime series, you know, so we have a number of years where that's kind of where all the, the, the energy is, is going and it just kind of, kind of is what yeah. it is. I, I mean, we still have local level. We've just seen it everywhere that, <laughs> It's been covered well on on this podcast that it's just a smaller, more passionate group of people that are still interested in the sport. Yeah, we have the USCX series that does still have an ongoing GCN contract. So, I mean, there is some publicity there. I just, I, I don't know if the organizer of that series have taken advantage of what they have to to promote it and build it. I, I hope to be absolutely wrong, but you you have a great you have a great vehicle there. You know, Cannondale going away. Um, I just wanted to reminisce a bit about that team. You know, them going away brought up some questions, uh, but it also reminded me that I really got into cyclocross by I'm sure a lot of people did watching Behind the Barriers, and that first season I believe of Behind the Barriers. Uh, Jay Powell was on Cannondale, and I distinctly remember like the opening shot of that series is Jay Powell in the Cannondale trailer. They're at some, you know, launch party. They're at the Cannondale Cyclocross World Shop, I believe. Um, so just kind of to to have that end, um, just want to, yeah, give a shout out to Sam for making that series and, and Stu for sponsoring that program and all the all the riders all our heroes, you know, came through that program. Um, and, you know, I guess I was like, man, so Curtis, you know, Clara, 
like what what's their program gonna look like next season you know i know that clara's on you know the uh tibco cannondale ef tibco ef tip she's on the big world tour team so like will she be racing cross in that kit you know i know curtis is racing for the best buddies uh crit team like will he be out there racing them are they going to put together new programs you know i'm just kind of curious what that means for those riders um the, uh, the yeah. good thing there at least if you look at their elite racers i mean who knows it goes back to what we were just saying five minutes ago about cyclocross being a passion project but as far as them being bike racers they're all already taken care of as you said clara's on ef tipco curtis is racing on the road for best buddies plus i'm sure has something in the works he's a he's he knows how to hustle he's going to get something done for his his cyclocross program katie klaus is racing for rally clara yeah we talked about clara i mean everybody's everybody's fine there i mean you have their development riders who are all going to have to scramble but they're you know that's kind of the the fate of the development rider, <laughs> you know, their program. Yeah. There's only three of them. I and mean, we've got there. like yeah. what? Yeah. AJ August and Lizzie Gonzalez and some of those other riders. I mean, very talented young riders and we don't want to, to lose them. And I think that's one thing to not lose sight of is they had built a pretty phenomenal development team. I mean, at its peak, it had like seven Devo riders <clears throat> that they were supporting in some capacity, you know, with that program and they were getting the mentorship from the other riders. And, you know, Dan Timmerman was, helping with that. And yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a good thing for Matt Timmerman. Sorry, Matt Timmerman. It was a good thing for, for the sport of cyclocross. And, you know, you've seen riders come up through there and do well. Magali Rochette started as a, you know, development rider there. So I think it's going to leave a pretty big hole in terms of, of that, but you know, the elite riders, I think we'll probably still see them around. I mean, it would be surprising if, you know, I mean, so we've talked about Katie Klaus. We'll see what she does. But, like, to see Nazi Clara and Curtis racing pretty heavy cross program would be pretty surprising. It, it's interesting to think about that Curtis Curtis applied for the Lifetime Grand Prix Series. Is that correct? And I think he didn't, he didn't get in. Yeah. Rude. Carrie didn't either. Carrie applied. And Carrie has, like, more what? followers and a better social media than probably two-thirds of the people in that yeah. in that series major miss on them although i i i do i'm excited i'll see care i'll see curtis on the crit circuit so i'm slightly being selfish there but yeah that's kind of a shame so should we move on from cannondale you know we we talked i think the last time we talked that we were sort of going through the domestic schedule a little bit and it's sort of with the grain of salt that we see every year that it may not be <clears throat> set in stone and just looking at what has happened from that time until now we do have a couple different changes again nothing set in stone yet but the one of the biggest i think uh problems that we saw with the initial schedule was that there were three days of jingle cross listed uh i think a c1 and c2 c2s and they overlapped with the Fayetteville World Cup. As of right now, Jingle Cross is no longer on the schedule at all. Like, there is no Jingle Cross. Nothing in Iowa City, which then clears up that Fayetteville weekend. Oh, Bill. Bill, Bill, Bill. (laughs) Jingle Cross is on the UCI calendar, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) Well, Jingle is. 
but I don't know if Jingle Cross is. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait a second. Um, <laughs> that would be Jingle oh, Gravel. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's Jingle, it's Jingle GX. Yeah, Jingle GX is still on there, part oh, of the World Series of okay. Gravel. So going okay. going back to our bike our bike discussion, pivoting the gravel, not only not only on bikes on on events as well. It's interesting that you just talked about Trek being one of the only manufacturers who makes an actual cross bike, and they are the sponsor of the UCI Gravel World Series. Huh. Hey, they make other bikes too. They do. <laughs> <laughs> they've, got that, uh, they've got that check. Yeah. Is that, okay, the, it's the checkpoint. Well, so it's like the it's like a huh, it sounds like an alley cat bike. Um all right. So we were talking we were talking about this in the the green room. I mean, I would love to see <clears throat> I mean, so we're talking about a couple of things. One, we've got this contract for the series and John Meehan with Jingle Cross was kind of one of the two major forces behind doing that along with Scott Page of Rochester. There's a contract we need. There's got to be some kind of race. It's supposed to be an eight race series. We've got to find something to do with it. And we were also talking about the potential for, I think it'd be pretty neat if they just, I mean, we talked about how we didn't like it. If they tacked two races onto Fayetteville turned it into the Fayetteville Woo Pig Suey weekend of, of cyclocross, let amateurs, I think it'd be awesome to let amateurs, they could do a really good number by saying, Hey, come race on the world championships course. I think it would be really, really neat. And I think it would be really appealing for a lot of folks. We could do the one series cause we only want the Friday night race. We don't want the Saturday race as part of the, the, uh, the series. Cause we saw kind of how that ruined it this past year. I think that'd be pretty neat. Yeah, I think, Fayetteville, I, balls in your I think court. what Trek, I think actually what Trek has gotten this right, where they have Friday, you come in Friday afternoon, you have kind of a late UCI C2 race, and then Saturday is all about amateurs, all about, you know, fun races, have your relay, have your, you know, Trek has their legends race, do whatever you want to do on that Saturday, but don't, don't make elite athletes have to make the decision, especially domestic elite athletes who want to be part of this series, part of this USCX series, don't force them to make the decision that they're either going to race for the series or they want to save themselves for the World Cup. Because that's, it's really, it's it's putting an unfair decision on them because most are probably going to pick the World Cup, especially if they have a chance to get points and if they have a chance to then want to continue to go to Europe and everything else, that's the more important race at this point. But we want that series to be important too. So if you put it on Friday, you give them Saturday the day off. You know, Even if you do just Saturday and Sunday, that's fine too. They're all used to doing, going back to back. It's just that bang, bang, bang. You can't just have three days in a row. That's where it that's where it just becomes untenable. So even if you wanted to have all the fun stuff on Friday, have them race Saturday, Sunday, that's at the same location. That that's that's cyclocross. Everybody's used to doing that. You know, doing doing back to back days is not is is not overburdened. But I think it's just not having that jingle cross setup of the third race. But yeah, I'd love to see Fayetteville. I mean, I, not not to call out Fayetteville, but Fayetteville right now has had amazing events, but they've never had amazing events that support local or even amateur national racing. It's always been elite racing. They had a world cup, only a world cup elite racing. They had worlds, only worlds elite racing. I'd love for them to get 
to use that course that they built, that amazing venue, and have the opportunity for non-elites to have the to, to race it. I, I, th- I think that that would be a great thing for them to do. It would be a great thing for that organization to help support cyclocross throughout the country. And it also, it furthers their goals of bringing people to that area. I am, you know, experience Fayetteville is the sponsor of the events. They want people to come and experience Fayetteville, bringing in some Belgian and Dutch people. Great. I don't know if they're coming back, but if you bring in some amateur racers from all parts of the country, much like they did for worlds, but then to be able to race it and you go, Hey, now I'm here with my bike. Now I see what it's like. It's not winter. You know, it's great racing oh, by the way, look at these hundreds of miles of gravel roads and mountain bike trails and everything else we have here. And then you get people. And that's, that's I think, really important to what their core mission is. So Fayetteville, have some amateur races. We'll, we'll go. We'll go cover it. It seems like a no-brainer to, to me to do that. You know, it's part of their, like you said, having the bikes there. I think if you make it a trip, because then people are going to, it's going to draw people. I don't know that the World Cup worlds did and i talked to people who are like i can't wait to come back with my bike it was like mission accomplished for why they did it i don't know if many people are going to come from say oklahoma or iowa or whatever for a world cup but it's like hey come to this weekend where you can race on the world's Cup, you know and do the thing like we've done for trek and jingle cross making an event to me it seems like a no-brainer you get some fans there uh get folks riding your bike and like bill said they got their bikes there. They can go try out some of the super flowy mountain bike trails on their bikes and be like, wow, you know, it'd be really cool. We come back here with my mountain bike. So the other thing that I noticed on the calendar, we had heard rumors. Actually, there was a published uh, Costa Rican article on it that uh, Pan Ams are going to be in Costa Rica. It is on the UCI calendar. So I, later we had heard that the, the Federation still hadn't voted on that. I'm assuming that happened. Or this is just a placeholder. Again, nothing on that calendar is written in stone. But as far as the UCI calendar goes, I think it's November 6th 6th is the Championship of the Americas or something that they call it. We'll call it the Pan American Championships. Uh, And that, interestingly, if you go then back to the domestic UCI calendar, that's where it's still just a mess. Uh, Because... Somehow really rad. And I know it's going to get fixed, Adam. I, I know that you know that those dates are correct. I'm just saying in the actual calendar, but on the UCI calendar right now, not correct. I'm assuming Northampton is on that 5, 6 November uh, dates. And then the next week is really rad on, what is it, 12 and 13. But right now, all of the races are are on one weekend and then one day is on the other weekend. So it's still screwy as far as those things are, but I think that's more clerical than anything else. But no, I think it's, I think it's, you do really rad on the fifth <laughs> and then you fly to Costa Rica. Oh, and you do okay. PMs, and then, and then you come back the next weekend. Yeah. And then somehow you got to do, well, really rad in Northampton are both in Massachusetts. So maybe they're going to schedule a morning UCI race and an afternoon UCI race. So there you go. I was looking through too. We still have, we still have that first weekend of December, end of November open. I, I don't know. Can we just can we find a place in in Iowa? Call it Jingle Cross. Get back to get back to our roots. I mean, that would be pretty sweet for me personally. Get back to the the Jingle Cross roots of having a race in December 
where it's aptly named uh, during the winter uh, run up to Christmas, but also I, I guess to have a, a race during that weekend too. I mean, I guess maybe we'll see <clears throat> riders like we used to, where maybe we'll just see you know the top riders just like packing up for Europe and heading over there and getting in a block and coming back for for national championships. You think that seems like uh, I don't know. quick turnaround. Um, I'm noticing here, and this might be just because it's early. Uh, Trek Cup C1. Really rad. C1. Um, those That's new, right? That's definitely new for Trek and for Really Rad. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot more. So what does that put us for C1s? One, two, three, C- four, five. Yeah. I mean, because what um, the US CX Cup did was a C1, C2, right? Saturday, Sunday, C1, C2. Trek was not part of that situation last year. It was a C2 and a World Cup they've maybe gone up to C1 unless it's just an error. And then, yeah, I think really rad was both C2s last year. Correct. Right. So, all right. I know that they're sort of, that it seemed, it seemed like that race was trying to, you know, it was getting bigger, um, wanting to sort of bring more riders to it. And uh, riders are really reacting positively to that race. So, yeah. Anything else we want to chat about? Well, we got, you know, speaking of, Cannondale, you know, we heard some news um, over on the European side that Anna Kay and Marion Norbert Riberol are le- they leaving? They left Star Casino. Yeah, uh, and I guess as as kind of the story's coming out, it's mainly because Star Casino has left Cyclocross, as in pulled out as a sponsor. So this is a team without funding. So I think those those riders are all going to have to be searching searching for new teams. We know that uh, Riberol is going to one of the Rudhoff teams. Remind me, what's that's all I, of them? All of them. <laughs> it's all of them. Seven, seven, Except seven. Alpizin. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's all of them, Michael. I, I, Anna, Anna Kay's rumored to be doing the same. Oh, is she? Yeah. Okay. It's it's Rudolph Roulette. I'm disappointed that you guys didn't say that Star Casino was cashing in their chips and. We were we were just saving that for you, Zach. Okay, Good oh, job, thank Zach. you. <laughs> they're, they're cashing I'm just out. Sad. I don't. You know, there's no more Ronald McDonald's. Yeah. I, well, see, here's the important thing. So we had a we had a good we had a good media pit uh, text chat going on this, and uh, Michael, you are you are the man. You are the kit man. You are Mr. <laughs> Trash or Panache. Uh, I mean, how are you feeling about this kit? going away i'm so excited i can i don't ever want to see it again i feel that anna k i'm feeling good vibes she you know she was she got injured last year um she's gonna start with a new team she's gonna fresh kit on i'm feeling good things coming for her so yeah i'm glad to get away from the one the red the one piece red skin suit we don't need to see that anymore so that's the argument that you made, like in the, and I, I think we should, we should remember. I think it's important to remember our history. Can you guys remember another kit that we've hated more than this? Like, I think we need to remember this as the kit against which all other kits will be. I mean, have we, have we had a cyclocross kit that was worse? I, I would put Sven's Creeling kits up there with the, the, the green. But. Yeah, those are those are pretty bad. I mean, like I actually don't mind the like Sonic Cons, like Ico Creelin kits. I think those look good. You know, I think 
originally first coming across uh, the the early Telenet kits were kind of garish, although they have. Dude, they had those Harlem Globetrotter warm-up pants with like the uh, the, the <laughs> vertical blue and yellow and white stripes, which were amazing. Uh, yeah, I don't ever recall those. Wow, okay. I need to see a picture of that. <laughs> I can't think of another really bad kit, though. Zach, do you have anything? You're no, I of- don't. That's why I'm saying we need to benchmark this because five years okay. from now when we're doing the media pit and someone drops a new kit, we're going to be like, hey, y'all, we know this is bad. But do you remember, for a brief fleeting moment during the pandemic, we had the Star Casino kit. We'll be like, oh, we remember that. That kit, that kit was trash. I'm just saying, like, my other thing. So when uh, when this was announced about uh, Marion Norbert Riberal, apparently there are vice national champions. So, you know, Curtis, I know that you were upset that you finished second at nationals, but that's okay because you are the vice national champion wait what is this it was reported in the news article that she was the vice national champion that's what her team said that's what her team said she's vice vice national champion i was like oh that's it's an interesting way of looking to that you know looking at it that you lost to sonic Hunt at your adopted country i mean there's so many layers here so if eric bruner is unable to fulfill his responsibilities <laughs> I, well, I like that. Champion. Yes, if Bruner's if Bruner's not at a race, then Curtis just gets to wear the stars and stripes. Like Bruner's got to go to every race. Like, is that how that works? Could that like see, you know that would be that would make you like. Will you imagine the impetus you would feel to like actually show up to the races? Like, oh, if I don't, like I don't get to wear. Like someone else gets to wear it, and like, and then another team can design a national championships kit. And if you win. A race while you're in the national championship kit as the vice national champ, you actually become the actual national champ and you take it back. But isn't there like like the the vice president has a different seal than the president, right? So don't, isn't there? Uh, there's going to be a little bit of a design change mm, okay. for the vice. Yeah. Ooh, national like uh, the vice the vice national champions kit. Like you know, he like flies on Air Force Two, like Cyclocross Two. <laughs> is his, yeah, is his okay. uh, Sprinter van the vice natty? Oh my gosh. So I wasn't going to, since we're talking about Brunner, I wasn't going to share this earlier, but, uh, and I don't, I, I need some help here. Uh, I, sometimes I have weird dreams, uh, at <laughs> night and I had a, I had a weird dream. Okay. All right. Uh, Brunner, are you ready for was, this? And just like, for some reason, Brunner was just quitting cyclocross. He was just like, I'm done. I'm out. Like no more cyclocross for me. I was confused. I was like, why would Eric Brunner quit cyclocross? But I was like, in, in, it was a dream. Like, I, I don't know what's happening. I, I need some help. Like, I need some, like, Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coach shit here. Wow. All right. Well, we're going to have to play. We're going to have to get him on the horn and see what, what he thinks about this. Maybe, maybe, you've, maybe, maybe it's true. Maybe you just got, like, these, no. these vibes. I mean, I hope not. I would hate that if that came to fruition. Oh yeah, that me too. I just like, but you know, you may maybe you're seeing cyclocross visions. Okay, well let's let's just take note. I will keep I will keep my eye out for for future cyclocross visions. Your third eye, Zach, the Oracle of cyclocross. Okay, I did get a question on Twitter that uh, about just sort of changing changing gears here about Tone Arts and what's happening with his. Uh, his 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 uh doping positive interestingly 
you know, the, the normal course of action is that the B sample is tested within eight days, I think is what the, they say that's supposed to be done, of the A sample. It's been 30, 40 days, it's been close to 40 days, uh, and they still have not tested it, uh, according to... In an article in HLN, his B sample will be tested on April 6th, and that the reason is that the, uh, the, the, the lab that was testing this in Cologne has been backed up because of uh, COVID testing or cases or resources or, or something. But it's, it's kind of curious, uh, and I think it it sort of opens up the opportunity for there to be some sort of I don't know. It just seems like waiting that long before testing the B sample bolsters Tone's defense to say this was not done in accordance with the rules. We just have to throw this thing out. So that that is my. That that's my that's my guess about what's what's going to happen. I I thought it was on the athlete to get the B sample tested. Is that wrong? Well, he's they they sent out the request to have it tested. They did that. Okay. They don't they don't control the sample though. Right, right. They don't like yeah. Have they it. requested I, I I... you can you can you can if you say hey, you got me, or hey, I don't want to spend the money to fight this, but I'm still innocent, or whatever, then you don't have to have that B sample oh. tested. And you can just gotcha. take your take your suspension and, and move on. But it, early in, or in the middle of February, I mean, right after this, he was informed of his positive test, he did his management did request i think they're saying it's three days later that it be that they wanted to be sample tested okay. and that was in february and it still hasn't been okay tested. so it wasn't the case that like tone's party was delayed in requesting it was just that they requested right away and then because of the backups uh the pandemic we're still living in uh the sample okay all right yeah yeah and they can't do anything until they can't. They can't ask for an appeal. They can't ask for whatever else. I mean, they don't even know what the suspension is at this point until this. Right. All so happens. the B sample comes back. Where are we at? The B sample comes back. It's also positive. Do we know what's going to happen? No. And and what we were talking about earlier in the green room, and I don't know about the the timeline of this as well. Is usually the B sample. Well, the other thing is because of the the substance that was found in his system, it's on the the letrozole or whatever it's called is not like on the top level that you're automatically suspended so he could have kept racing he didn't so i don't know retroactively where this starts as far as if he does get a suspension if it starts from february or if it starts from whenever it's litigated or handed down or what's going on so the timing in that is also very screwy and and since we've seen ranges of suspensions from anywhere from six months to four years, you know, if it's six months, then he could be done with it by the time that cyclocross starts. So yeah, I, I it's all, but I just, it was curious. I don't think I, I can't ever remember a case where it has gone this long until finding out 
the B sample, disregarding those cases we've had, like with the Spanish blood where it was tested years later. And, and, and that's not what we're talking about here. So tone arts still, still don't know what's going on there. That was the only other item on my list. Michael, what's going on with hot laps, hot lap summer? Well, let me start with this. Let, I, I, let me start with this. If you all have not seen episode one of hot lap summer, it's on the wide angle podium YouTube page. You can get there. You can go to wideanglepodium.com slash YouTube. If that is too hard to remember, you can also go to youtube.com slash wide angle podium. You can't get it wrong. Either way, it's going to get you there. It's going to be the first one down there after uh, Spencer's goo test. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, click on Hot Lap Summer, episode one. It's following the automatic crit racing team and its leader, Tom Gibbons, last season on their quest to get Tom the uh, overall in the USA crits, but also wins and just following his first time really having a team to work with. And Michael was embedded with there inside of there. First episode was awesome. I'm going to just pressure the hell out of him right now and say that I've already seen part of the second episode. It's even better. So when's that coming out, Michael? When can people say see it? Why is it that they should be sharing it with all of their friends and posting it on all of their team listservs? And tell us about Hot Lap Summer episode two. Thanks for that intro, Bill. Um, well, see, so I I told you in the green room. I think that uh, episode two is going to come out on Monday night. I think I'm going to try and do one of those YouTube premiere things. Um, I'll probably do like. I don't know, nine Eastern. Um, but yeah. Set your calendars now. iCal, <laughs> set it up. You've seen you've seen the first rough cut of episode two. Episode two takes place at Tulsa Tough uh, last year, 2021. 20, Tulsa Tough um, was the kickoff to the USA Crits series. It was uh, it was three days of racing. Friday night was the was part of USA Crits, and USA Crits was a 10-race series. Um, Tom won the overall in 2019. 2020 we didn't have a series and then in 2021 he came back with a full squad and wanted to defend his championship and you know i watching this footage um i I actually really like this episode too i think it's really good um i think it's it's almost even better than um episode one but but i also think that that weekend was really a seminal weekend in crit racing in america because it was it really was the first race Outside of Armed Forces, it was the first race where all the teams were there. All the hitters were there. We had sort of crit beef building before um, with the Best Buddies team, um, McCabe and Legion and Justin Williams, and sort of talking about, you know, amateur and elite national champion. Um, We had, you know, Tulsa as a site of uh, the uh, massacre, and that was sort of in the zeitgeist through because of what happened in 2020 with George Floyd, because of, you know, the Watchmen HBO series that brought a lot of the stuff as history to people's to to the, to the to light. And so I just I felt it was like a really like inflection point in in road racing season. And, you know, Legion had a lot to prove and a lot of there's a lot of like hype behind them. And they kind of came and they dominated. They sort of proved who they were. And, you know, there's some great films about them. 
But I, I also like that I am telling the story of someone else from that weekend, sort of something a little bit smaller, um, scrappier squad. Uh, and you're seeing a little bit sort of, um, you're going a little bit deeper with the characters and you're seeing Tom and the team trying to figure out a way to sort of recover from the races they did to armed forces and like how they can sort of navigate the juggernaut that is the team Legion who just, I mean, I mean, they swept almost the entire weekend, but there were, there were little small victories for the automatic team for Tom. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm biased. I watched it. Bill, you saw, but it's really good. You know, it's a, we introduce uh, one of the characters on the team. Uh, Dan Swan is a good friend of mine. He's from New Orleans. It was his first time ever racing at that level. Um, so there's, there's some other stories intertwined. Yeah, that's coming out Monday night, Hot Lap Summer, episode two. Um, I got a lot of work to do before then. But <laughs> so automatic. Automatic race in the Gildenstern and Rosencrantz of of U.S. crit racing, following following their stories. I will say this: that the onboard footage that you had for Clarendon and and the Armed Forces Classic was great. What you have for Tulsa. I was on the edge of my seat for. I mean, that interspersed with your own footage, interspersed with the drone footage and just the nighttime racing. And just, as you said, all of those teams, it looked like it was closer racing. I mean, it was tight. It was it was dynamic. That that was the part, like, the story's awesome. And I thought you, that you did such a great job story building. But also, I didn't mind sitting there and watching that race footage because it was, it was super exciting. So I, I, I think it's definitely something that... People should get into. I mean, it's a t- we always hear it all the time. I mean, Zach and I sit there and deal with this all through the cyclocross season. People are like, we want to hear stories about people, tell stories about people. Michael's telling these stories. And uh, I, I look at the stats. It's fine. People are watching it. There's thousands of people are watching it. I think there should be tens of thousands of people watching this. And, and so that's, yeah, I, I just, I want to see this succeed because I think it's such great storytelling. It's such great what you've done in the edit and the producing of this is just is just wonderful and i i I want i want it to succeed i want to see more of these yeah me too i'm i'm excited to bring them to you you know and like i want to say a lot of people i think bulletin subscribers have watched it a lot of the the friends of the show watched it i appreciate anybody who's like watched it liked commented shared that's that means a lot to me so i i really appreciate that um and i i've got in a, on 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 a, on outline on paper, I've got six episodes for 2021. Um, episode three is sort of like half cut, so they're coming. Um, I wish I could get them out faster to you guys. It just it's just kind of a issue of resources on my end, but but they're coming and it's it's going to be good. I'm excited to share with everybody. If these are if these are like ultra successful, we can pressure Michael into doing the same thing for cyclocross. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I mean teams, you want like. My, my, you can call me. You can reach out to me. I, I, I'm available. Um, yeah. All right, Zach. Anything else to close this up? What's going on with Nowhere Fast? Uh, well, <clears throat> as soon as we're done here, I'll be probably be out by the time we uh, um, release this. So we interviewed. It was pretty fun for me. Uh, we interviewed uh, Mason Rocca, who's a former collegiate as well as a professional basketball player overseas and now he is riding bikes and he won the national championships which were held u.s national championships held on rgt uh, which spawned my idea and i'm still going to put out there i know we don't have enough podcasts but 
I want to start a podcast that covers the critical intersection of basketball and cycling. I think it would be super fun. I think there's a lot of uh, potential there. Uh, Bill, I was thinking one of our episodes could be an oral history of your attempt to dunk at 50. Um, I mean, I think that that one is like, I, there's lots of potential here. We could get Raylan Nuss on. We could have her on We could get the, we could get the got... head, of, head of the uh, Flanders Classics, former Euro pro. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Have oh, you seen Thomas? That guy's another like, episode. Like seven I've seen tall. him. Yeah. Another episode. We yeah. can get we can get the oral history of the time that Jeff Kabush chugged a beer with Yao Ming. I mean, we could get Reggie Miller on here. We could get Bill Walton on here. I think there's a lot of potential for the intersection of basketball and cycling. So I don't know if it's going to happen because I've got like a million other things that are going on and so does everyone else, but I think it would be super fun. So yeah, no, we're fast. We're still, uh, we're still rolling. Check that one out. And there's rumors that the Grodio might be back. I don't know. They're just rumors right now. They're wafting out there on the gravel roads and the great plains of, of the U S but that one might be back uh, soon at some point too. I, yeah, I make some Grodio episode guys. I want to get caught up. I want to get, I want to Panda to, I want to know what's going on. Like I, I enjoy the gravel content. Uh, I always listen to the Grodio. I want to know what's going on. Like, I'm excited there's a series. So, yeah, guys, get on it. Like, well, Amanda and I are both sick. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, she'll be better. Uh, my quest to do Unbound might be derailed. We'll see. I've been sick oh. for like a month. Uh, but, guys, like, the one last thing we've got a mountain bike World Cup next weekend. We got to bring back the, Wait. we got to get, we got to, we got to send out the Elizabeth signal. We've got to get uh, Elizabeth back. I, I will the, say uh, this too: if you if you did not, you know, catch world catch Red Bull coverage while you can. If you haven't seen the downhill uh, event from last weekend, that from France that was awesome. That is worth worth spending an hour watching the uh, watching the downhill competition. But yeah, World Cup mountain biking it's back. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So I guess there's um, there's a uh, kind of like a. Pre, I mean, there's like a UCI race this Sunday, which would be kind of interesting. I was talking to friend of the friend of all the shows, Jen Jackson, and she was saying she's expecting that to kind of be like a mini World Cup with everyone kind of getting down there early. So it'd be interesting with that. And then we've got the the first World Cups kicking off in Brazil, uh, of all places. So kind of an, an exotic locale. And then we hurry up and wait for like a month and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yep, for sure. Awesome. All right. Well, you know, uh, you know, as as in true cyclocross radio form, we weren't sure what we we're going to talk about, and we're an hour in, and we did it, and we'll be back soon with more. That's about it. We'll talk to you later, guys, and hang in there, kid. Best show under sixty minutes. Folks, back before we started talking about privateers and lifetime adventures and aero bars, swift racing was there as the meme discipline we all love to mock. And while the meme machine has moved on to gravel racing, swift racing is still here. Nowhere fast is the virtual racing podcast you didn't know you needed. It's a real podcast about real racing on fake bikes. Join host Kevin Bouchard Hall, Mike Swart, and me, Zach Schuster, for interviews, takes from inside the Zeloton, virtual racing coverage, and of course, cheating. Download Nowhere Fast at the Wide Angle Podium website or listen on your preferred podcast app. You can come for the KBH stories and stay for the semi-serious discussion of real fake racing and like ride on or whatever.